This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to another episode of Jamming with Jason. Today, we're going to talk about being on the road again, howling. How? So you might be wondering, what the heck are we talking about today? Is that the Willie Nelson song? Or I don't know. Stick with me, because whatever you do, you're going to want to listen to this entire episode. Because as you listen, uh, there's going to be some different things that come up, and something is going to be exactly what you need to hear today. So today's episode is uh, inspired by a little road trip that I took up to Northern California uh, here this last week, and I just want to share that with you. So here we go. Let's roll the episode. Hi, I'm Jason Mefford, and you're in the right place to start transforming your career and life with this podcast. I've been in the trenches as an executive leader And now I'm an executive coach and confidential advisor to executives all over the world. I use a multidisciplinary approach to improve learning that drives transformation by getting to the root cause in a practical, no-nonsense way. I love learning and sharing what makes people tick. You get both education and entertainment, since learning shouldn't be boring, right? But that's enough about me. This podcast is a combination of intuitive leadership, neural influence, and mental mastery to take your career and life to levels you've never thought possible. If you're wanting to improve yourself, develop stronger relationships professionally and personally, make quicker, better decisions, and become a more effective leader, then of course, this podcast is for you because you are going to learn how to manage emotions in yourself and others, avoid burnout, stress, and anxiety, master your mind, get people to listen and take action, and become a lifelong learner. And when you do that, you will have a positive mental attitude, executive leadership presence, and the skills to know exactly what to say and do in any situation. I'm glad you're here. So let's get started. All right. Well, uh, I'm excited to talk to you today about being on the road again, howling, right? So, (laughs) hey, it's just the way I roll, right? So anyway, you might be thinking about that. It's like, how do those things go together? What does that mean? Well, just listen. Promise. I promise. As crazy as I may sound, everything at the end of the day is going to come together on what we're talking about today. So I, uh, I, I love taking road trips. Um, I've, I've become somewhat of a hermit the last few years, uh, some for obvious reasons uh, to everybody out there, right? So um, took a trip up to Northern California. I live down in the Los Angeles area. So uh, was able to drive up. One of my clients had a had an employee meeting that they wanted me to come come to, uh, so I went up to Santa Cruz 
up in the in the Northern California and uh, ended up going into San Francisco uh, for one of the days while I was there because uh, it took a couple days just to hang out and be me and do what I felt like I wanted to do as well, right? Which is a good reminder for all of us, right? Let's uh, let's maybe include some uh, some pleasure with the business that we're doing as well. But anyway, obviously, um, being on the road again kind of reminds me of the old Willie Nelson song, right? And I'm sure you've heard it before. It's a great song, right? Uh, on the road again. I just can't wait to get on the road again. The life I love is making music with my friends. And I can't wait to get on the road again. Okay. At least that's my little Willie Nelson impersonation on that one, right? But uh, I, I do love being on the road um, uh, for a lot of different reasons. But uh, but today, I, and, and I love that line too. The life I love is making music with my friends. And uh, I feel that too. That's one of the reasons why I do jamming with Jason. So the life I love is making music and talking with you, my friends. So that's why I'm here again. But uh, that, it, it reminded me too, because, you know, as uh, in a previous life, uh, when I was in corporate America, I used to go on the road a lot and I actually created a playlist of songs that we'd play in the car while we were driving. So obviously, On the Road Again by Willie Nelson had to be one of those songs. Um, another one that you might not have heard of is uh, called King of the Road by Roger Miller. And uh, this song I just love a little bit too, so I'll just sing sing a few lines as well because there, there's a couple things that kind of popped into my mind about that one today too um, to share with you. So this one's a little different. It kind of goes like this. <clears throat> Trailer for sale or rent. Rooms to let 50 cents. No phone, no pool, no pets. I ain't got no cigarettes. Ah, but two hours of pushing broom buys an eight by 12 four-bit room. I'm a Man of means by no means, king of the road. <laughs> I just love that song anyway, too. So that's it's it's uh, it's got a lot of imagery for me because effectively it's a it's a song that's kind of about hobos, uh, which you know were were people that especially back in the Great Depression. Uh, would hop on trains, get into boxcars, and just ride around the country trying to find work uh, and go in different places. Uh, and uh, interestingly enough, so the, the term hobo, right, which you normally think of as being somebody who is who doesn't have a home, is homeless and just kind of wanders around, actually comes from Hoboken, New Jersey, uh, which is interesting because that was kind of the from the railroads perspective, especially if somebody was in New York City, they'd go across the Hudson River into uh, Hoboken, New Jersey. They'd hop on the uh, the trains there at Hoboken and then ended up going all across the uh, the U.S., many of which ended up all the way out here in uh, in the West Coast in California and Oregon and some of those places as well. So Probably didn't know, right? But that's where hobo comes from, actually comes from Hoboken, New Jersey. And this whole song, King of the Road, um, actually uh, is kind of about hobos going around. And, and so some of the some of the terms and things that are in there, um, like a four-bit room, 
uh, is, is something you may not have heard of, but uh, it, it reminded me of when I was younger. Um, I worked for a man named uh, Mr. Fleming, Mr. Ivan Fleming, uh, who uh, I, used to, I used to mow his lawn and do some different farm work for him uh, on his little farm that he had, and one of which was bucking hay. And uh, what bucking hay is, is where, you know, they would, they'd cut, they'd cut the hay, they put it into the bales, and then he would hire teenagers like me uh, to come over and, and buck that hay onto trailers so we could take it back into his, his barn and, and, uh, and store it up for the animals. And so, I remember when he when he hired me to do that, he said, uh, Jason, you know, yeah, you know, I've got this work that needs to be done. Uh, why don't you and a friend come over and I'll pay you two bits a bale. And so I, I thought about that and I was like, oh, that's that, I think that's pretty good money. Right. Because it, at that time, when I was probably 13 or 14, I thought a, a bit was a quarter well, a bit is actually 12 and a half cents. So I did all this work in the heat. And, and here I was, this little scrawny 130 pound uh, teenager trying to throw these bales of hay that could anywhere be between 30 to 90 pounds. So again, imagine, imagine this 130 pound kid trying to lift up a 90 pound bale of hay and lift it up about three feet onto the back of a trailer. Anyway, it was not, <laughs> was not that fun. Uh, but it definitely uh, established character, right? That's that's something my dad would say, right? Is it is it gave me character? But it taught me about four bits. So so there's there's an old saying: two bits, four bits, six bits, a dollar. Uh, which so so a bit was actually twelve and a half cents. So got done with all that work. Mr. Fleming paid me, and uh, it was half of what I had expected. Ah, live and learn, right? Here you go. Uh, but anyway, the reason I bring that up too, because, uh, you know, Mr. Fleming was one of those guys in my life um, that, that I learned a lot from. So he was, he was a veteran. Uh, he served in the Second World War. He actually um, got injured uh, or, or uh, wounded while he, was, while he was in the war. And so he, he didn't really have, uh, have the use of his, I want to say it was his right right foot or left foot? I, I can't remember. Anyway, had trouble with one of his legs. So he always kind of walked with a limp. Um, but I remember, you know, one of the stories that he used to tell me, cause, cause I go over and, and, uh, and mow his lawn, he'd pay me. And sometimes we'd just sit there and talk a little bit. Uh, and so again, here I was this young teenage kid getting to hear these, these stories from this older man. And I just love doing that. Uh, but anyway, so, so the, the point of the whole thing was I wanted to share with you one of Mr. Fleming's stories, which was, um, he said, when, when he was in the Navy uh, during the Second World War, he said they'd, they'd come down and they'd, uh, they'd have dinner. And he said, uh, you know, we always got our ice cream first. He said, you know, one of life's rules is always eat dessert first. Uh, because they would do that in the Navy because they never know if they would get attacked during, <laughs> during dinner, right? If they got attacked during dinner, they wanted to make sure that they had already had their dessert. So I think that's one of life's lessons for us as well too, right? Is always make sure to have dessert and why not have dessert first, right? Just in case something happens and you don't get to the regular meal, at least you get the good stuff, out of life. So, so make sure and, uh, and have the good stuff in life. 
So anyway, a little bit back back to back to the uh, the story of of being on the road again and howling, right? Howling, ooh, ow, 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 right? Howling kind of you know brings up uh, a lot of different animal kind of things, but it uh, it also has another meaning for me as well, which is um, a lot of times when I'm in San Francisco. Um, I like to go to a couple of places of historical significance that are there in, in San Francisco. So for me, the, some of those places are maybe some things you've never heard of before as well. And so um, I'll just share with you, okay? And, and one of those places is down in the North Shore area of, uh, of San Francisco. There's a little bar called Vesuvio. Uh, you know, like Vesuvio, the volcano in in uh, in Italy, and uh, and that bar, you know, it's a little kind of hole in the wall place. You'd walk past it, you wouldn't even hardly recognize it. Um, but there, there's a lot of historical significance to that place. In fact, back in the 50s and 60s, that was a hangout for a lot of people uh, that that are very famous people that you might have heard of. Some of the people that you might not have heard of, right? So. So when I was in there this last time, you know, I saw, you know, there's a picture of, uh, of Bob Dylan uh, standing next to one of the windows outside. So, of course, being the nerd I am, I had to go outside and stand where Bob Dylan stood, right, where I saw him in the picture. Um, there was another another picture. I think it was David Crosby and uh, Grace Slick uh, that were standing out the front of the window. And, uh, you know, Grace Slick, you might not have heard of. Uh, but she's somebody that I've been listening to a little bit more too. Is um, she was the singer for Jefferson Airplane at the time? So um, if you've heard White Rabbit, uh, that was one of the songs that she actually um, wrote, and uh, and to me one of the one of the great people at, at that time. But but so so obviously a lot of people like that were there, kind of from a counterculture perspective um, in the '60s. Uh, when when San Francisco was really a hot spot for a lot of the hippie movement and other things like that, uh, but even before that, there were people there called the Beats, and or the Beat Generation, and um, some of those people you might not have heard of, some of them you might have heard of, but um, you know people like William Burroughs, um, Jack Kerouac, uh, and Allen Ginsberg, who I'm going to talk a little bit about today. Um, were also there. In fact, the Beats were, were a group of people that they'd come back from the Second World War. They were disenfranchised with a lot of the things that were going on in the world, and they started speaking up. And the Beat generation was really kind of the, the first kind of counterculture movement. In fact, a lot of the things that, that came about in rock and roll and things in the 60s and early 70s uh, was because of the Beats. And San Francisco was one of one of the places where they hung out at a lot. Uh, and and um, Vesuvio <laughs> happened to be one of those places. It's it's right across the alley from City Light Books, uh, which, again, if you know anything about that movement, was kind of a big deal at that at that point in time. So. So, <clears throat> excuse me, as I said, like, you know, when I'm in San Francisco, I like to go over to Vesuvio. So this time I went in and. Um, ordered a Jack Kerouac drink, right? I don't even remember what's in it, but it's a Jack Kerouac drink. So in his honor, um, you know, I got my drink, went up, went upstairs, uh, sat down, had my, had my Jack Kerouac drink. 
and uh, pulled out and read the book or the poem Howl by Allen Ginsberg. And, uh, and so I'll read, a, I'll read a little bit to you, but it was, you know, so there I was kind of honoring these people and some of the stuff that they had done. In fact, interestingly enough, so here's a little trivia for you as well. Uh, Jack Kerouac, who was one of the beats as well, his, uh, his probably most famous work is called On the Road. It's a book that he wrote about being on the road. So there's another tie-in for today's title as well, is that's a little nod to Jack Kerouac uh, as well. So, so there you go, Jack. Um, but as I said, too, so that's where the howling comes from, is from Allen Ginsberg. And um, this came up probably a couple months ago. One of my friends um, told me, because I've, I've grown out this little goatee kind of circular beard. And, uh, and, and one of my friends told me, he said, you know, Jason, you kind of look a little bit like a beat poet. And I'm like, man, I am going to take that as a compliment because people like Allen Ginsberg, Jack Kerouac, Neil Cassidy, uh, William Burroughs, uh, some of these people were authentically who they were, and they've actually changed the world, even though a lot of people don't actually know who they were. Um, but as I said, they were they were kind of one of the impetuses for a lot of the counterculture, a lot of the rock and roll that I love, and a lot of the things that came out of the late 60s and early 70s uh, here in California as well, that has literally transformed our world as well. So... So felt a little connection there to Allen Ginsberg as I was reading that poem in Vesuvio, which is, I'm sure, one of the places uh, where he actually had read that poem publicly. And uh, interestingly enough, too, the, 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 the group that, that published his book was called City Lights, and it's a City Light bookstore that's actually literally across the alleyway uh, on the same street there on Columbus uh, in, in San Francisco. So a lot of real kind of kind of tie-ins for that but you know and, and as I was reading reading the book um, or reading the poem it's it's kind of three or four parts I can't remember if it's four or three parts but anyway um, the the historical significance of that book Howl and um, there there was a movie that as I was doing some research and just thinking about Alan and his life um, that I hadn't seen it's a movie I think from 2010 called Howl so I went back and, and watched that this last week as well, and uh, always knew that that this had a, a big significance, but got, again, a greater appreciation for why this was so um, such, of a, such a big deal. And the reason was, you know, um, Alan wrote this, I think, in 1955, copyright 56, book comes out. And he uses some words and he says some things in there that people at that time found obscene. And so actually they, um, they arrested the publisher, uh, one of the, own, the owners of uh, City Light Books, for obscenity charges, for distributing obscene material. And so this became a court case um, here in the U.S. that actually was one of the it's one of the landmark kind of uh, court cases about obscenity and what is considered to be obscene and what is not considered to be obscene. What is kind of pornographic? What is just art? And so, you know, what, what Alan and, and the people from City Lights went through there in the 50s uh, helped pave the way 
And whether you realize it or not is one of the reasons why we're able to say and do more of the things that we do now today, you know, 70, 70 years later. And so, um, and a lot of the things that Alan wrote about in this book, uh, in, the, in the poem, you know, 70 years ago is still going on today. So um, I pulled out my copy. I, I didn't have it with me when I was up there. So I read it on my phone, but um, pulled out my copy of the book. Um, and what's interesting is there's actually a receipt in, in the book uh, from when I was there before. Uh, and actually bought this book, went to the Beats Museum, which was right there, which happened to be in January of 2013. So literally almost exactly to the day, uh, eight years later, I was back in the same place again, reading the same book again in the same place. So uh, interesting, interesting um, synchronicity of life. So read into that what you want to, but there's also, there's a great uh, police song about that. But anyway, so I wanted to, uh, to just read a little bit of the beginning of Howl, if you haven't read it before. Um, it's, it's worth going back. It's, it's one of those things where the first couple of times I read it, I didn't quite understand it. Going back and watching the movie and getting a, a little bit of the, the fill in the blanks, the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey would say, um, about Allen Ginsberg and his life and some of the things that were the, the, um, the inspiration behind him writing this makes it uh, makes a lot more sense to it today. But, you know, if, if you've never, there's, there's great imagery in this and I just wanted to share a little bit with you and then share one more thing um, as I was reflecting on my trip on the road again as well. So so this is how Howell actually starts. It says, I saw the best minds of my generation destroyed by madness, starving, hysterical, naked, dragging themselves through the Negro streets at dawn, looking for an angry fix. Angel-headed hipsters burning for the ancient heaven heavenly connection to the starry dynamo in the machinery of night who poverty and tatters and hollow-eyed and high set up smoking in the supernatural darkness of cold water flats floating across the tops of cities, contemplating jazz. Now, that's just the first part of it. And again, many of you, as I'm sitting there reading this to you, you might be going, what? What? Well, I'll let you go back and, and read this in more detail. If, if, if it feels like what, what, what you want to do, but, but let me just, let me just uh, throw out a couple of things there that the best minds of my generation were destroyed by madness. We still see that today. Some of the best minds in, in our world are destroyed by madness. They're starving, they're hysterical and naked, not physically, right? Just like I'm wearing clothes right now, but poetry is all about imagery folks. Angel headed hipsters. Is hipsters a word that we're using again now, you know, 70 years later? Kind of interesting, isn't it? But that these hipsters are burning for the ancient heavenly connection to the starry dynamo in the machinery of night. There's great imagery in that. And, and it's one of those things that, again, 
you know, this was happening back in, in the 50s and 60s and early 70s, and then we kind of lost touch with it. Um, but it's happening again, where so many of us are burning for the ancient heavenly connection. And again, I'll let you read into that what you want to read into. Um, but more and more of us now are longing for and wanting to connect uh, in more than just a physical yeah, in more of a spiritual, metaphysical, uh, esoteric way in this life. Uh, and anyway, I'll just I'll just stop that for there for today. But again, if that sparks something in you, go out, get Howl, maybe watch the movie, uh, read through it, and think about it uh, for yourself as well. Okay, the last thing that I wanted to really share with you today uh, is is a, a little lesson again that just kind of you know, pricked myself as, as, as I was on the road howling <laughs> this last week. And <clears throat> what that was is, is relates to GPS. So if you're familiar with, with California and how the landscape works, it's about a five or six hour drive from where I live up to Northern California. And there's a couple of different ways that we can take the freeways to drive and, and get up there. But because of the way that California is set up, there's there's only a couple of ways to go. And you have to kind of choose to drive up kind of two different valley areas because of the way we have kind of mountain ranges that go north and south in, in, in our state. And there's only a couple of places where you can actually get from these internal valleys all the way over to be able to, um, to get to the coast. And so, you know, if I'm driving from here to San Francisco, it's pretty much a straight shot all the way up on, on the freeway. And then there's two different ways to go into the peninsula at that point. But to go to Santa Cruz, which is a little south of San Francisco, there's three, four, five different ways that you can go and kind of wind your way, you know, across those mountains at different points in, in time. So, you know, on the way up, I kind of chose to drive a certain way. I, 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 I started off, I, I, I drove that way. And then as I got closer to Santa Cruz, I, I put in um, the coordinates for where I needed to go for the hotel for my meeting. And, uh, you know, because like I said, there's a lot of different ways that I could get there. Well, on the way back, and, and, and the reason for that is because, like I said, it's kind of tricky once, once you get to certain highways and it's like, I know my way all the way back from that point, just like I knew my way from, from where I was at most of the way, you know, all the way up until it got to the very end, I needed a little help. So on the way back, you know, I, I'd, I'd kind of gone the scenic route that I wanted to, to go on the way up. And, um, and so on the way back, I just, you know, got out my phone, I put in the GPS and I said, okay, I need to go from here to home. And so, of course, you know, the map kind of came up with four or five different ways that I could go. And I looked at which one was going to take the least amount of time. And I said, go. I pushed the little go button and I said, all right, take me home the fastest way. So then I get in the car and uh, I don't have to think at that point, right? I have, I have set an intention of where I want to go. I want to go from my hotel in Santa Cruz to my home in Long Beach, California. And so I've set my intention. I've, uh, I, I've, I've put in the coordinates, I hit go. 
And now I could sit back. I could just drive, enjoy listening to the, the audio book that I was listening to and make the different turns where, where the phone was telling me to turn. So as I'm, as I'm driving along and, um, you know, again, I'm in Northern California, so I need to go south to get back to my home, which is south of where I was at. So I'm driving along and I know that I'm going to have to go from the coast. I'm going to go inland to the east a little ways. And as I'm driving along, I, I hear the phone say, right, there's a little person in my phone telling me what to do, right? You all know that. Um, says, turn here and go north on Highway 101. And I thought, just a minute, I'm trying to go south. I know if I get on Highway 101 and go south, I'm going to get back to where I know I need to be anyway. What if I just go south? And I thought, you know what? No, I'm just going to follow where it's telling me to go because I already put in the intention I need to get back home. And I'm just going to allow, right, allow my path to be what it needs to be to get me back home based on what I punched in. And so I went ahead and I went north on 101. I drove through some different parts of the state that I hadn't been in before. And sure enough, you know, eventually I ended up on the, on the five. I thought it was going to take me down the 101, but it took me down the five. Um, and I, and I made it back home. So as I was thinking about that, right, is again, I'm one of those deep thinkers like Jack Handy, if you watch Saturday Night Live. Um, <clears throat> what can I learn from this? Well, and again, sometimes when we know where we want to go and we set a goal and we set an intention and we start putting the plan in place, sometimes the road doesn't or the roads that we go on aren't exactly the way we thought it was going to be. But when we just allow and let the journey happen, you know, we can see beautiful parts of the state that we've never seen before. We can see beautiful parts of life that we've never seen before. Now, there might be struggles, there might be trials along the way, but we don't have to think very much about it. We just have to keep showing up, driving, turn the car to the left, turn the car to the right when it tells us to do that. And eventually, we're going to get exactly where we want to be. Now, I could have, I could have made the choice to say, I get to Highway 101 and I'm like, you know what, Siri, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to go south, right? But chances are, if I had done that, it would have taken me longer to get home. You always have the choice. And how much easier would life be if we just allow those things to happen, allow our path and our journey to go exactly where it needs to go as we're guided on our way back home. Now, again, I'm going to leave it at that point. I'm going to let you read into it what you need to hear today as well. But um, another lesson that I learned uh, this last week from being on the road again, howling, reading some poetry, uh, being a beat poet again in San Francisco, and uh, just wanted to share that with you this week. So again, as I told you at the beginning, <clears throat> listen to the entire episode. The fact that you did means you heard at least one thing today that was exactly what you needed to hear, and you got value out of it. 
and I'm guessing others would too. So, you know, make sure and share this episode with your friends and family. And uh, because if you got value out of it, they will too. So with that, I'm going to wrap up for this week. And again, just enjoy the ride. Remember, joy is in the journey, not in the destination. Uh, So when you're on the road again, howl, you know, plug in the GPS, allow and enjoy the ride. And I will see you on the next episode of Jamming with Jason. Have a great week out on the road again, making music with my friends. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Jamming with Jason. Keep on rocking in the audit world. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share with your friends and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you enjoyed the most about the podcast. And you may even be featured on a future episode. When you're ready to turbocharge your leadership development, Join the Briefing Leadership Program, where you get access to everything in one place and can interact directly with me in the group. If you'd like to earn continuing professional education for listening to today's episode, head on over to C-Risk Academy's video on-demand learning platform at ondemand.criskacademy.com. Not only do you get a CPE certificate, but you will also have access to hundreds of video on-demand learning opportunities. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are that of the individuals and not of their respective organizations.